Welcome into the latest edition here that podcast. Crowd, Paulie Junior, Jay Morrison of the Athletic. Excited to be with you on a Wednesday. Jay, I'm on vacation. I don't know, man. I'm. I don't know what day it is. Do you know what day it is? You're in a different time zone. You're in Arizona. I'm yeah. on vacation. We're all out of whack. I, I I don't know what time it is or what day it is. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's technically right now Wednesday at 3.35. Hello to everybody watching live on YouTube and those of you listening at home. Great to have you uh, with us as always. Kind of a specially timed edition of HTPG this week um, because of what happened. You know, you Jay, you're out at the owners meetings. You've been out there all week. The coaches breakfast. Uh, all the rule changes, all the league officials that are around, lots of good um, conversations can be had all over the place, but particularly one that was had today, and that was yourself, Kelsey Conway of The Inquirer, uh, Jeff Hobson, Bengals.com, uh, out with Katie Blackburn, um, Bengals executive, executive vice president, pretty much the only time we hear from her all year. Uh, and yeah. there's a lot on the plate, a lot to talk about. So you guys got to uh, get to that day. So we wanted to make sure we brought you a lot of her since you never really get to hear from her. And there's a lot of big topics to get to. Yeah. And then just a, th- a thank you to her for sitting down and talking with us, because like you said, it, we don't hear from her a lot. And um, it is good to get that perspective of, of what they're thinking, even if it's not an open book and it wasn't quite uh, the newsmaker that it was last year when, when she announced the indoor facility, it was a lot of uh, we will see. And I don't think it was necessarily ducking the questions. It's just the, where this franchise is right now. There, there's so much out there that it's not like they have this plan and they're just not going to devolve what it is or divulge what it is. It's there's a lot of things that have to happen that are going to have ripple effects that are going to affect the big decisions that everybody wants to know what the answers are right now. And the team just doesn't have them at the moment. Yeah. I think there is a lot of we'll see to it. And there's a lot of the things that we're dealing with are things that are going to happen behind closed doors. Anyway, when you start Mm -hmm. getting into contracts, you start getting into renegotiations and things like that. But I think there's a lot to take away from the we'll sees and the things that were said as part of that. So we're going to try to do that today. We're going to go through about, Really, three to five of the major topics um, that you guys touched on and that Katie went through with you today, and we'll kind of bring you one, let you hear from it, and then we'll kind of give you some of our thoughts on that and and go get our way through that. That's going to be the things you might expect. Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, um, what's going on with Joe Mixon, uh, how his situations off the field and on the field are playing inside the front office. Jonah Williams made a trade request. What, what's going on with that? We're going to talk about the stadium lease, uh, which is upcoming. An interesting thing I think was said there. Uh, turf, because I love talking about turf, uh, <laughs> things like that. And then it, So we'll go through that, and then we'll get into some of the news. Jay and I will be touching on uh, Sidney Jones, Irv Smith Jr., uh, some of the nuggets. I got a mock draft out. If you want to kill some time while you're listening to, uh, you can check all that stuff out. But let's, let's get into Katie. Um, first of all, Jay. Shout out to the birds to, to making it feel uh, very calming in the background. Where did you guys ho- actually uh, have this conversation at? So this, the it's at the Arizona Biltmore. It's not just a big hotel like the Breakers in Florida. They have a bunch of buildings surrounding the, the main lobby area. So I don't know how many they have, maybe 25, 30 hotel rooms in each building. And so she had a really nice uh, room with a patio leading out to the pool. And we... We originally were going to do it in the lobby of the hotel, but the music, it was a very cool vibe in there, but the music was pretty loud. So we're like, that'll be a little distracting. So uh, we went and sat on the patio outside of her hotel room. Um, So there were, there were a lot of birds. And as you (laughs) will probably hear at some point, um, a happy little kid in the pool doing bird calls and singing at 815 in the morning. And um, I don't know if we're going to hear that clip or not, but at, at one point, uh, Butch Jeff Hobson interrupts the serious questions and asks her what she thinks of the kids singing. <laughs> yeah, we did. I did cut that out. I tried, okay, you know, it's, it's like, look, uh, 
this is this is just hilarious. You know that there's just some kid uh, in the background, somebody who just came, who just came back from Florida uh, with two kids in the pool at all eight fifteen. Kids screaming, yelling at the pool. Totally get it. Right up my alley of comfort zone where we're at. But uh, yeah, a bit surprising to hear in the background. Just keep that in mind. That's part of the background of where this is being held. Let's start with the order of the off season, and that is Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, yeah. contracts. Here's Katie Blackburn. I think kind of buried the lead here with the Joe Burrow contract. Where is yeah, that? I was going to say, can we start I with would, that? I just copy whatever Philadelphia and, and the Chargers have said and be done. But obviously, uh, you know, we, we will be taking a look at that and um, seeing if there's something that could be done and hopefully have more to report if that happens. Um, how, how would you characterize where it stands right now? I mean, are you guys, I know you've been prepared for this for a while. It's not like you just started this yeah, off season. That's and- right. We're, we're, we've been thinking about it. And so again, we, you know, we've had some preliminary discussions, but there's free agency and such. And so we'll see if we can um, get into it a little bit more maybe, but again, we'll, it's, hard to say exactly what pace you know yeah i don't know um the pace but we hope that there's something that can get done and um we sort of said we won't talk about it much until there's something to talk about so i'm not trying to dig a hole for myself either way (laughs) how much of urgency is there with him knowing the other guys that you want to get done before the season as well like t and logan um i mean they're they're all great guys that we love having and want to have for a while long time on our team so um just the process that always plays out however it plays out and we'll be looking at all of the options and alternatives and thinking about what what um we might be able to get done I know financially it's possible to sign, extend Burrow, extend T, and then Jamar next year. But is that is that realistic to to have that much tied up in three guys? We'll find out. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it. There are so many things that come into play, so we'll just play it by ear as we go and do our best to um, see where we can get to. Jay, that was my favorite line of the entire. Uh, 37 minutes. We'll find out. You know, it was because I thought there was a telling nature to that of, yeah, that's the idea. That's what they want to do. It sounds great. It's just not that easy. Like everybody wants to get what they want to get. And how possible is it to give everyone that we've discussed the logistics of that before? And is it worth it? And I think Katie's answer was perfect. Like they're certainly going to try, but there is a lot of ranges here where it doesn't work out because these guys deserve and their market will be so big and they, and they've got to figure it all out. There was one thing said later that is not in this, in this cut that was her saying, at some point, we'll have to make some hard decisions. And I think that's the point of it is they're mm-hmm. going to certainly they're going to do whatever they can. But it's this is a challenge if you're actually trying to do this and not hamstring yourself. That was one of my the we'll find out I thought was the most telling part. There's a telling part of it, of, of everything we heard. I'm glad that was your favorite line because I was kind of kicking myself. I you know when, when I went back and transcribed the interview, I I, I was I thought I should have said, would it be financially responsible to tie up that money, <laughs> much money in three players? And instead I just said, what is it possible? And you're, yeah, we'll find out. And, and a big part of that is they want, they would like to do that, but they haven't even started the negotiations with T yet. So they don't know where that's going to look. And they had, and they not allowed to start the negotiations with Jamar who knows what happens this year with Jamar and what he could be asking for next year. So it is, it's, it's, it sounds like, She's averting it, but you you just can't you can't project it yet. There's so much that has to play out, and they they, they run models and they they have an idea of of what they can and can't afford. But and still, until you actually get to that point where you're in deep in the negotiations and you see exactly where the price points are, it's a big game of wait and see. Another aspect of this in regards to the reaction to talking about Burroughs contract 
you know, instantly mentioning Herbert and and Hertz. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rate right, the race that's been dis- that's been discussed between these three of the Chargers opening up their conversations with Justin Herbert, and I think it was Brandon Staley, right, who said, you know, we we know that he's going to be our quarterback is what they've learned from the opening of the discussions with him. This, I mean, this is going to be a part of the offseason, these quarterbacks, and and when it happens. Preliminary discussions was kind of the key phrase to come out of that. So not far along, working through details, feeling great about it. And I, Duke touched on that a little bit at the combine. I thought pretty succinctly of they got a good feel for where the money range is, but still that can still be part of preliminary discussions. There was a surprise to it. It was maybe that it was so sort of cast off as yeah, we're just kind of getting going on that. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's the total truth of this situation, particularly what we do know from what Duke ha- had mentioned at the combine. Yeah. And then the other thing that, that that's not in there that she said, because I asked her about, you know, last year, a big discussion, it was, it had happened a week earlier, the Deshaun Watson deal. And it's like, well, you're, you're going to be dealing with, with Burrow next year. Do, do you have concerns about the ripple effect of, of the, the guaranteed money that Deshaun Watson's getting? And so now, we haven't really seen that become a thing. And I asked her about, you know, do, do you see it now as more of a one-off than a template? And and, and she said, it, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. We're going to do what's best for us. And, and that's the most important thing. So, you know, it, I'm, I'm sure Joe is going to get quite a bit of guaranteed money, but we don't know what he's asking for, but it just, it, I don't, I think when the Deshaun Watson thing happened, everybody started thinking, oh, is this going to be the new thing where every quarterback's going to get all of his contract guaranteed? And um, it looks like, fortunately for the Bengals, that is not going to be the case. Maybe it's going to be more than what you would have expected before the Watson deal, but it doesn't look like this is some tsunami of this is the way things are now and everybody's getting guaranteed money. No, and that's that's certainly the issue being discussed and why the hot-button topic of Lamar Jackson yes. has, has turned this front and center is because that's that's so much at, at the center of what happens with or doesn't happen with Lamar and the trade request and the, the quote ambush tweet uh, <laughs> that Jeff Strebeck has been writing about relentlessly. Uh, so I, I think when you're talking about that, I, I they're not going to become all of a sudden a guaranteed money team. Like that's just, she pointed out it also in your discussion like that. It's never something they've leaned into something they're going to lean into. They're going to always try to find creative ways to avoid that because they have so much of a focus on what they call making sure that they're getting the most value out of every team every year and commitment to spending to the cap and not having a bunch of that blown on dead money. When it comes to Burrow, though, how much of that is because that will all come out when when this comes out, and, and which is my last takeaway on this, Jay. This will not be a public endeavor. No. This, the, the, this should not be a surprise to anyone. Um, this has probably been the writing on the wall for this from the very beginning. Joe Burrow is not going to be somebody out here spouting publicly about his negotiations. He's not going to be someone out here talking about it or really talking to hardly anybody at all. Uh, and the same with Katie and the family. They're not going to be out there spouting anything about it. I mean, Katie is not trying to make news, not trying to go in the, the old line around the offices of the Bengals is when we have something to announce – We'll announce it. Okay. She actually and, said that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the, you know, that's still going to continue to be a specifically in this case, this is not going to be something that there's going to be something that you even see coming when I think it is done. I think any, nego- any negotiation, I thought JJ Watt was talking about this recently. A- any negotiation that you want to keep quiet, you can keep quiet. And, mm. and that's it. That is up to the player, his camp, and ownership and the Bengals have been notoriously fantastic at keeping things quiet. They want to keep quiet. And Joe Burrow certainly seems to fall into that mold, although we've never gone down this road with him before for that fact, big news, uh, a trail of breadcrumbs, things to look into tea leaves. I don't think they're going to be a part of this situation. I think Austin is going to show up one day. We should start a betting pool on, on what day it actually gets announced. No doubt. Yeah. I mean that it'd be a good one. It'd be it'd be a good one because I think the range could certainly be wide. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Let's move on from that. Let's go to talking about 
Joe Mixon. The conversation, of course, came up about Joe Mixon, where they're at with him. Um, he is under contract for the next two years, $12.6 million cap. We have fully understanding that he's going to be asked to take a pay cut. Um, that's an expectation. Whether he decides to or not uh, will be how this goes. They're not, there's just no way that they would play him on that number with all that cash this year when you consider what that role has been on the team and, and where he's been at. You have the stuff that happened with him uh, with two cases that surrounded him, uh, not charged with anything and dismissed uh the one downtown still kind of hanging out there for a possible uh refiling but the one at his house um it no charges at all despite mm. it not being the greatest of optics for anybody so all that's surrounding joe mixon so let's get into katie's response to the two questions about him it's been an eventful offseason for Joe Mixon, and not necessarily. Uh, there's been a lot that's been reported, not reported. Um, as it stands right now, is is he in the plans to be the starting running back this upcoming season? Um, right now, he's on the team, and we're um, we're gonna count on him until. Until that wouldn't be the case, but yeah, he's he's the guy. Um, he's done a lot of great things for the team. I think he's still got a lot of production in him, and um, so um, I hope his other issues all get resolved in a positive way. Um, but we'll um, keep plugging along and hope that everything gets resolved for him, one way or another. And you know. So is that a case where, from the outside perspective, there's the narrative of how much you guys could save if you cut him post-June 1, $10 million? Is that a case where you guys weigh, yeah, we could save that money, but he's shown to be, even though he's going to be 27 entering final year of his deal, someone that you feel like is worth keeping as opposed to what you could save cap-wise? I mean... You're, you're laying out all the arguments and thoughts that you can certainly weigh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess if you never know where things could go, but, you know, he's, right now he's there and we're going to plan like that until something different would happen for whatever reason. Like I said, I don't want to say anything's happening because that's not fair. But you point out some things that at some point you might have to look at, maybe. And so I don't want to say that could never happen. Um, but I don't want to imply that that's happening. It, it's, it's, um, those are all alternatives. And it could happen, it could be any play. There are several other players in theory you could say the same thing about. But it's, I don't, like I said, I, I don't want to send any message one way or another because I don't think that would be fair. Right now, he's our starting guy and you know you've seen other teams have to make moves could we get to that point maybe but it would be down the road here and we would have to see if it got to that if that's what makes sense or or not the aggravated menacing case is still ongoing obviously the stuff that happened at his house was wrapped up but I mean, like, how how closely do you guys monitor that? And has he had any conversations with you guys about, you know, what's taking place at those particular events? I have not talked to Joe on those. That's, um, so, um, and I don't want to obviously get into where we're, that might end up. So I, I don't know that it's probably fair to say anything, but, um, think it'll get resolved or probably acted upon whatever resolved hopefully fairly soon so we'll see that kid is great <laughs> that kid is having the morning of his life <laughs> <laughs> that kid is having the morning he's just like he's not yeah honestly it's not a bad bird imitation that he's doing i actually think it's pretty good I, I agree. When in, hearing it live, I thought that, and, then, and but I'm still trying to listen to Katie. And that, but you hear it back now, and just the juxtaposition of of her talking about aggravated menacing charges and the <laughs> future of a man's career, and this kid in the background. It's just so funny. 
living his life. Uh, let's get into what the content of what she was saying and not necessarily the background. Um, so there's, I had the uh, right now count at three, Jay. Yes, that's uh, <laughs> in my article. <laughs> I, and I, I mean, it's hard that not to be the the obvious. Yeah, you know, take it's. You hear it all in not only not just three, but the first overall draft pick as well. It did start with right now. Uh, and so you, you're you talking about we've known this and that's and and she's not going to go down the list of like, yep, I think it's going to be on April 9th will be the day that we will call Joe Mixon and say we want you to take X amount of money. It's look, they've been as obvious as you really can be about this, about there's going to have to be discussions about refiguring what his contract looks like and his willingness to do that. And I think this was kind of an explanation of that without with, like she said, I'm not trying to put any messaging out that anything's happening or going to happen immediately or whatever, but you know, right now this is what it is. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it may happen soon that they they ask him to take a pay cut. Again, that's not gonna that's not something that they're gonna put out there. Um, it the thing is, I mean, all the assumption is now that the Bengals have signed Irv Smith, and now this there's this the running back room is the giant hole. It's like they need somebody there, and if they don't, if if for whatever reason the draft doesn't fall their right the right way, or they they get a guy and he's just doesn't look the part for whatever reason in OTAs. I mean, then maybe you do have to pivot and, and you have to eat that huge salary. So you, that that's kind of the deal where they never want to say never, but it, it wouldn't surprise me for them to ask Joe to take the pay cut even before the draft. It's just one of those things that the, they want to know the same. I mean, they want to know what he's going to say. They want to know what his answer is going to be. Maybe, maybe it's, I'll get back to you. And he goes and, I guess they would have to officially cut him first for him to go out and shop his wares elsewhere. And then perhaps he sees other teams don't value him as much as what the Bengals had offered in the pay cut. And there's a reunion, but it, it, it is, it's, it, they have been transparent and it just, it, it feels imminent that that, that request is going to be made. And then the big question is, is Joe, willing to take it because it does feel like the Bengals are going to value him more than other teams are, particularly with these incidents um, out there. And I don't necessarily think that a divorce this year is guaranteed, but I do think it's, it's highly unlikely he's playing for 12.8 million this year. Yeah. Almost zero chance of that. Right. And I, and talking about timing of this again, we pointed out from the beginning the Giovanni Bernard uh, move that happened where they essentially asked him to take a pay cut. He said, kick rocks and moved on. And I mean, that was right around this time early, very early April um, in 21, I guess uh, where you saw that move happen. So it's, if you're looking for a template or any sort of precedent to when this has been done, how it's kind of been approached. I mean, I think that's a good one where you're talking about a running back, somebody who obviously has a lot of, uh, pull organizationally captain uh, that is is in this particular situation where you see a, a move maybe needs to happen. So just, you know, it, it, like you said, there's all the reasons, all things point to that. It, it could be something that could be imminent. The other side of this, Jay, with this conversation is so hoping the other issues get resolved in a positive way was, was mm-hmm. the quote from Katie. To me, you know, that's – Sure. Yeah, I, I'm. I, that makes sense. All that it said to me was it was pretty obvious that those didn't really register very high on a concern scale internally. You know, I mean, it, it felt to me, uh, yeah, they hope that gets resolved. It is what it is. You know, no, I mean, there's no, there was no, we didn't like what we saw. There was no, we don't like the op. There was no mentioning of anything not to like necessarily about it. Um, so, hey, that's their take that's their that's their feelings on it but to me the takeaway was that that is what it was that that they didn't really view that as much of anything in their eyes um in terms of those two incidents the surrounding the gun stuff and all that other stuff that was part of it yeah i mean i'm not a legal expert but i even if those charges are refiled it's i what, what are we talking about? Probably a fine. I don't, I don't think it's going to be any kind of serious repercussion. It's not a good look by any means, but 
Um, and I do think she was, she was speaking, you know, on the Bengals behalf, hopefully they're resolved. And I think she was speaking on Joe's behalf, hopefully for him, uh, these are resolved in a positive way. And, um, it does. She did say too that that she expects that to happen soon. But I know a lot of people have been saying that for a while that they, yeah. they expect that decision to be made soon, and it hasn't yet. So it's it's again one more wait and see. Yeah, we'll see. Note the, the uh, <laughs> phrase of the day. Um, so that's kind of the latest in into the Joe Mixon situation. Another situation that continues to hang out there. Jonah Williams is out there. Jonah Williams, of course, made his trade request after the signing of Orlando Brown. He's kind of it's been out there now. Him talking about feeling blindsided by it, which sort of the same way the everyone was blindsided mm-hmm. by the Orlando Brown <laughs> news. Now it didn't fall into your career's lap like it did to Jonah Williams. Um, but I, I think internally they were blindsided by the fact I wrote extensively the behind the scenes of that, that nobody really saw that thing coming or expected it to happen. I think the full expectation was that Jonah Williams was going to be back as their left tackle this year. And, that happened, and now all of a sudden there is fallout, and the fallout being Jonah Williams requesting a trade. So here's a little bit of Katie Blackburn talking about the Jonah Williams trade request and where that goes from here. Um, and when we come back off of that, we'll talk a little bit also about what Zach Taylor said about that um, at the coach's breakfast on Monday. With a situation like Jonah Williams where player requests for a trade, how much of that is you guys have to balance doing what's best for a player like Jonah who has started a lot of games for you. He was the first-round draft pick. Do what's best for him career-wise compared to what's best for the Bengals in terms of he obviously makes you better when you have him on the team, but if he doesn't you know, want to be with the team, like how, how does that balance work for you? Um, well, and I'm not sure that he said he doesn't want to be with the team. I think he might, I don't, you know, I'm not sure exactly how he's worded it. I, but at the end of the day, these things happen. We, um, we're going to try to get our best team out there and we hear his concerns. But at the end of the day, we'll just have to see see where it all plays out. And if he's here, um, we're going to get our best five guys out there some way, hopefully, that makes us the best we can be. I mean, we've obviously looked at our offensive line the last couple years and really tried to strengthen it. And I think we've done a great job of that. And so we've got some good options. And um, if other options come about, we that would have to, you know, just... Again, it's like the other stuff. Every day's an every day's a new day. You don't know what might come up, but it um, we're gonna keep doing what we can to have the best uh, best guys out there in whatever way we can. When that happens, when that crops up, when a player asks for a twi- trade, and you know maybe it's not something you had thought about, then do you do you do you go into that we're just gonna wait and see mode, or do you immediately start looking at options like when would be the best time during the draft, before the draft? I mean, it camp? can depend on the player. So without making it you know specific, obviously it just depends. I mean, there are some guys that ask for a trade and you just don't consider it. There are some guys that might ask for a trade and you consider it. But there might not be, you aren't getting really, you know, the same value that you want. And there may be trades that you actually make. So, and it depends, you know, like I said, it can depend. Like sometimes it's after the draft because you didn't get something in the draft. And so then you do the trade. Um, So, again, it just, it's all dependent on the circumstances. And, um, and at the end of the day, you have to weigh the options and try to make a good decision that's going to make the team better. Um, Jay, the the thing to me that stands out here is about these things happen. Mm-hmm. And they happen all the time. We've talked about this. I, the amount of crap that shows up on their desks on a regular basis, in season obviously, and in the off season, is more than you ever know. Is more than people realize. So, you know, look, these trade requests happen. You deal with them and figure out what's the best way to do it. Sometimes you don't even consider it. You're just like, oh, okay, thanks for requesting a trade. See you in the fall. Right. I mean, that's, I think that's an important point here is that these things happen all the time. 
They're not going to be shook, like we said in the beginning, by this request. It's understandable. There's a lot of desire to just have a conversation with Jonah Williams and 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 figure it out at that point. They hear his concern, but that doesn't necessarily mean much of anything. No, and I mean, Mike Brown's not steering the ship as as much as as he has in the past, but he's still in charge, and you, you just you're not going to make him blink. And I do, I don't, I don't think this is a situation where they say, okay, we hear you, but it's not happening. I do think they would consider trading Jonah, but again, it's going to come down to what happens in the draft. Um, the Mixon thing, the Jonah thing, it, nothing's going to happen until they have a replacement in place. And, and so um, I, I thought that was key. Cause she did say, you know, we want him to feel heard, but, it's it's not something that they immediately go into to to figure out a way to get it done. It's it's again we, this is a broken record, but wait and see what happens. And it it is on the table, but again, it's you, you wouldn't. Jonah's not going to hold out. He's not going to leave twelve point six million on the table and not be able to go into free agency next year. The, the kind of the question there then becomes is is he going to be a problem and it just Zach talked about this where where he has never been that kind of guy he has always done everything they've ever asked of him and and he doesn't expect him to to rock the boat if a trade isn't made and he's moved to right tackle he expects him to to go and compete for that job and and play well so it is it's I don't I don't know what my big takeaway is from what Katie said other than um, it, it's it's not something they're shutting down, but it's also not something they're racing to get done. No, um, not racing to get it done, uh, but it is, you know, something that's on the table. I, I put in the mock draft, you know, the idea of them if they take Dewan Jones in the mm-hmm. first round, if they secure that right tackle, then feeling the freedom to trade Jonah Williams to a team like I, I had him going to the Bears in there because the Bears have to spend to a certain pay wall, pay level to hit their 95%. They're well short of it. They're looking for ways to pay people to pay. We've talked about this at, in the Jonah uh, emergency pod. But, you know, I the point being is that if that does the, end up being the best option that shows up, it's the best option that shows up. But to me, you know, Zach Taylor coming out and saying, we expect him to come in and play right tackle and compete there. Okay, mm-hmm. and until something else happens, that's the case. And he can request a trade. They this happens all the time. They can choose to consider it or not. They expect him to come in and play right tackle and compete to figure that out and play both ways. Can he do it? Can he make that transfer over? Will he be able to beat out whoever's there with him? Jackson Carmen, right, was mentioned as an option. Um Cody Ford, whoever's over there, some draft pick, that will be a part of the equation. And maybe a trade happens then. You know, we talked about August. If a team loses their starting left tackle, who's a contender is sitting there. And there's the Bengals. Would you Mm -hmm. you have any interest in a Jonah Williams? Uh, Because it would take a lot for you to get him at that point when the leverage changes. So there's just a lot to me. There, there's a lot to this, and I thought you know what Katie said and what Zach said helped bring mm-hmm. some clarity to it, maybe, even though it all is still very murky. Yeah, as much clarity as you can in this situation. All right, let's just take a quick break. Okay, so that, that's kind of the – those are the big hits, right? Those are the big yeah. hits in the personnel department that there are to talk about, and we'll get into the smaller signings that happened here uh, in the news segment in a minute. But I do want to just get into this the the stadium, right? I mean, because that's the the end of the lease is upcoming. We've seen drawings of potential you know, studies of potential renovations last year, and you get a chance to talk to Katie. Let's you know we got to figure out where's that at. Well, I threw in a piece about the turf here because I love not do I just love turf, but it was a you know it was a part of the conversation this year. They had the 
the slit film turf that kind of got in the crosshairs of the NFLPA and the league didn't like the seven stadiums or seven teams that had that where they played. There's a push to get that removed. Um, so a little bit question about turf and all things Bengals Stadium with Katie Blackburn. Any plans for a new turf? At the stadium? Yeah. Um, uh, I should know what the schedule is for that, but I don't. It's not this year, certainly. Okay. I think um, I don't have statistics, but I really don't think our turf has been a huge problem um, or a problem at all, to be quite honest. But um, so we'll see. But it was there, one there's a certain period. There, there's that whole the whole turf issue, and I think at the end of the day. You know, there are a lot of players who just would like to play in a grass field, period. Um, they do all kinds of studies. They have a lot of data, but all of that data, to process it fairly, you have to take a lot of things into consideration. And so um, we certainly listen to that, but we also look at how things, you know, what is happening and judge our own experience, too, and we will certainly... Um, I feel like our surface has served us really well to be fair so far so um you know some of our bigger acts injuries were on grass fields at other spots um so you know it's it's always hard there's so many stats but there's a regular replacement for our field at the stadium and we are sticking with that regular replacement at the moment because feel like the, ser- the field has served us well. Speaking of this stadium, where are you guys at in terms of renewing your lease, the lease process with the stadium? Oh, we've got Joe Burrow and we've got the stadium <laughs> lease. They're both exciting opportunities. Uh, you know, it is that time that we are beginning to think about it. And um, we think that um, but with some of the we're you know actually going in and doing some improvements um a little bit you know this this year um ourselves and hopefully that sends a message that we're willing to invest a little bit of our own here now and um hope that we can take a look at the holy situation with the county and um get something that would um make the lease situation settled for a while and work well for you know the county and us and um, hopefully do it without it having to be to you know, I, I don't know I hope we can do it in a positive way mm-hmm. that sends a positive message because at the end of the day what we're trying to do is a good thing for the area is to just have this situation settled for a while and so we're going into it hoping we can do it in a in a way that um, keeps things on a positive note. Are you able to say any of the new things you're going to do, or is that a way to see? I think that's coming soon. I would hate to be the one that ruined the surprise. (laughs) Maybe it's not a surprise, but I don't want to be out of step there. With these billion-dollar palaces in Tennessee and Buffalo and a lot of public money, does that make you rethink the direction you guys want to go at all with the stadium? Um, I think we, uh, we're we probably, to be fair, thinking more the Baltimore approach. I think we have a great stadium. Our, our stadium has been a great asset to the area, and we think we can, um, if we, you know, keep keeping it up to a certain level, it, it can um, serve us well for a while longer. It's, it's a big project um, and more power to Tennessee and in New York for for uh, going that direction but I think, you know, we, we feel our stadium's been a great asset and we can uh, keep using it for a while. Was the bird in the room? <laughs> we were outside. <laughs> felt like was, the bird, there was, was a the tree bird right on? The, was it in a chair <laughs> with you? Were you doing the interview? Were you all sitting in tree limbs? It sounds like it. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, this is a serious topic uh, of, of the stadium. One thing I think is interesting, Jay, is the Baltimore approach, mm-hmm. right? So we, we've spent time talking about similar-sized uh, markets that have been in this same conversation as the Bengals. We noted Tennessee and Buffalo both mentioned, although Buffalo a smaller market even, but uh, you see, I don't know if you've seen the renderings, 
of the yeah. uh, billion dollar palace that they're apparently going to just slap down around the shanty neighborhood in Orchard Park uh, <laughs> that we went to. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just it's wild when you see it. And then Tennessee obviously got a ton of public money to create this sort of tourism convention mega space to host Super Bowls and Final Fours and be the new Jerry World where every big event happens there. And that's who they want to be, their convention city. And she says, well, no, that's not us. Baltimore. In January, Baltimore extended their lease uh, by 15 years there and with a renovation plan attached to it that for them includes digging deeper, having suites along the lower levels, all kinds of enhancement things that they want to do as part of their renovation to keep the stadium sustainable for another 15 years for them. Um, it also includes kicking the media to the top and out of our great seats. Jay. Same, same with Tennessee. Two, like best Two best viewing purchases in the league. The first move they did, get the media out of those good <laughs> seats. Okay. Uh, but so – I thought that was interesting, the Baltimore approach. And I think it sets a pretty clear template of what they're looking for. Extend this lease, 10 to 20 years, whatever it is, figure out what that is. Maybe it's just 15 years exactly like Baltimore did and have the renovation tacked into what that is. You know, they they had the rendering last year of one study, which had it about half a billion, $500 million renovation you could do. Uh, she said more things coming on that. Doesn't want to spoil surprise. Who knows what that is? Um, stuff that's connected to the stadium, whatever that is. Point being, you know, this is again a reiteration. Nobody's looking to build some massive stadium and try to cause contention and huge outlay of money that feels like, you know, uh, some monstrosity of a, of a deal, an overwhelming thing. They want it to be simple. They want it to keep it sustainable for longer and take this off everybody's plate of conversation for a while. Um, and I think that sort of fits a lot of what we've heard before this. Yeah, and, it, and she kind of mentioned too that, that, I don't know if you say it was a good faith effort, but that they the money they're spending themselves on renovating the training area and the Baltimore is interesting because you mentioned a 15 year extension on the lease. Um, I don't know what the, the legal ramifications, but with, with the, the pay core deal being the naming rights being, I believe a 16 year agreement was, what was reported. You know, you're that's, you're looking right in that 15 range where if you yeah. extend the lease, it, you go to the end of the naming rights and then talk about building something new and, Maybe Paycor slaps her name on that one too, or maybe it's another company. But um, it it, uh, it 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 doesn't sound as though they are they are gonna try to get a new stadium anytime soon. I know a lot of people are afraid of that for a couple of reasons. One, because it's it's gonna come with public money and it's gonna cost people out of their own pocket. And number two is if it doesn't get done, then the conversations open about well, does the team leave again? And and it she made it pretty clear that they they like the Baltimore model and refurbishing PBS, not PBS, Paycor is is the correct way to go. And they, you know, I think there's a nod to here in the tone of the conversation of look, they're aware of what happened last time this was a mm -hmm. thing and how negative it was. And how awful it turned and how everyone holds it against them and did hold it against them forever. And I think many would say rightfully so for feelings of, for just frustration with the, with the lease, but Hey, two signs, two sides signed off on it. And that's what it was. But the point being, they want to do it in a positive way. She, she reiterated that. And I think the tone of this has been trying to do something that's good for everybody where the Bengals keep being here and being this positive thing and, and it can help everybody and keep it positive and not looking for the $1.3 billion massive new mm -hmm. place plopped down in the middle of the city and making demands. It's, it's look, how, how can this just can just continue to move down? How can we continue to keep this thing going, keep this place where it's at and and take it off of everybody's plate of concern. I, I think that that tone was a big part of it. 
And she did mention a couple of times that it, it's good for the area, which is almost yeah. kind of a, a letting the city and the county know that, hey, this isn't just about us. This is we're 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 lifting all boats and this is good for the downtown. It's good for the city. Um, so, you know, there 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 will need to be that cost will need to be absorbed of doing a renovation. It's far less than building something new, but it's still it's going to come out of taxpayers. Some of it's going to come out of taxpayers pockets. Hey. When you're good, you do lift all boats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The problem was forever, nobody felt that way, uh, or at least for a long period of time. But for another day. Um, so anyway, great to hear from Katie Blackburn uh, and get a little bit of insight into how ownership is feeling uh, about a number of major issues. Again, Jay has a story up on all this with more insight into some of these comments. Um, and other stuff that was talked about uh, from the league meetings in Arizona. Um, so that make sure you go check that out on the site right now. Also, we have our we have our one dollar a month for twelve months deal going on right now. Best deal we do pretty much. So if you've ever thought about subscribing, you want to make sure this is a great time to do it. Go to one of Jay and I's stories. Feel free to go there, yeah. click the link, uh, and subscribe there. Uh, we uh, we always appreciate that, and we work very hard to make your subscription worthwhile. I mean, Jay, all we got to do now is do twelve dollars worth of work in a whole year. I mean, that sounds pretty easy. <laughs> this, I mean, it's not just Christmas where people give gifts. This would be a good Easter basket gift. Oh for, yeah, uh, Easter, drop that in the Easter basket. Band. Sure. Opening day gift. Do you give yeah. opening day gifts? You know, get all the C Trent goodness. And really, it's not just us having to do twelve dollars of work. It's really all of us in the company have to combine to do twelve dollars worth of work <laughs> over the next year to make this subscription worthwhile. So we we'll, we do our best to to do that. Um, some people say that's all I'm worth. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get into some of the news elements. Uh, tick through those before we. Uh, wrap it up with some Arby's and get out of here. Uh, the positions of need that everyone has been on pins and needles about as the Bengals waited for the market to come to them, came to them. Uh, and that was, we'll start at tight end, mo- much discussed. Um, and that was Irv Smith Jr. Ending up with the Bengals on a one year prove it. Um, you know, we, when the Fabian Moreau thing happened, um, there was, I think it was a lot of assumption or thought that he would end up being the guy connections to LSU obviously came for a visit. And then all of a sudden he ends up, you know, he has this, uh, the Hodgkins that he ends up coming. It's a terrible situation with everybody yeah. hoping that the best for him. Um, and everybody said, well, what are you going to, what are they going to do now? And I, and I think their whole point was they were sitting the whole time with a couple of guys in mind, um, that they thought would land in this area. They wanted to be one year prove it's in the low money deal with go ahead and be the next CJ Uzama and Hayden Hurst and get your payday next year. And Irv Smith, honestly, if you would have said it at the very beginning is an absolute prototypical example of that. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember which episode, but I, I mentioned him. I was like, he's he still out there and he's a second round pick. He's, he's, I don't think you really know what he is yet because injuries have held him back. And that's a, the injuries are a big reason why he wasn't getting what he was was hoping to get. But you know, you've you've got that connection. Him and uh, I, I was chatting with Jimmy Chase, Jamar's dad, yesterday, and he said they go way back. They go all the way back to early high school days, and they were they were rivals at opposing schools, and they work out in the off season. So you've got that connection there, and it is it's it doesn't because I wrote about this yesterday. It doesn't solve anything. It, it gives you. A, a chance to have that position filled in the way that Hayden Hurst did last year, but there's always going to be that that lingering question. But what it does is it it removes that that need to to really go after a, a tight end early because they they didn't have anybody with any experience other than Devin Asi. Um, so this is you, you plug in Irv Smith Jr. and and, and hope that he can do what what. CJ Uzama and Hayden Hurst did, which is parlay a year of Joe Burrow into the, a bigger contract and and let him play well above what he's what he's being paid this year. But you you can't bank on that. Um, but at least you've got someone in place. Right? They, the way it stood before that signing was you you don't have a starting tight end, and that's you, you that's no way to go into a draft. No, it it takes tight end urgency off the table. Tight mm-hmm. end desperation 
off the table. And I think that that's really important to free yourself up to get to it when you can. And maybe you can in the first round. Maybe there's one guy who they have a first round grade on at tight end. Maybe. I don't know that. I'm not saying that because I know that. Um, but in this, situ- in, in this conversation, maybe there's one, right? Uh, and this allows you to not feel like you have to take a second round grade at a first round price because you do have Irv Smith and you can take somebody in the second round or even the third round um, or whatever to to fill that need, somebody who can develop uh, during the course of their rookie year or maybe win a battle in camp and be that guy immediately. And Irv Smith's a great two. Um, but the point being is you're not you're not in desperate. You had to find that one player that kept you out of rookie desperation reliance, and uh, I think that's the importance of Irv Smith and the fact that they got it and had other offers. And the Bengals obviously were going to be a great landing spot for a tight end when you consider what Burrow has been able to do for that position and, and, and the receivers. Really, the Burrow and the receivers getting all that attention does for somebody like Irv Smith at tight end. Um, let's address the other position, the other move. Sidney Jones uh, comes in at cornerback. And so Sidney Jones enters the Eli Apple role, um, mm-hmm. at least appears to at 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 this time tonight. So um, look, Eli Apple ha- has served that role well. I've sort of said from the beginning there was expectations that they were just kind of done with the sideshow of Eli Apple um, and and they would probably look to go a different direction with the low cost veteran or or maybe they felt like Apple was going to get more money than they were willing to pay out in that situation. The point being though, Sidney Jones is, is, a, is a really nice fit. Um, both of these guys their profile has been, they're both young, you know, Sidney Jones, 26, or Irv Smith Young, um, they have had injuries that have been a major factor in why they are where they are. I think the Bengals have looked at the way they've been able to handle injuries, the way that they've been able to use their sports science and their strength team to keep a lot of that soft tissue injuries to a minimum and be very aware of that. Take it easy on guys. We've talked a lot about the way that they structure their off seasons and their camps and their practices to assure they're keeping people healthy. I think that makes them feel that they can keep some of these guys healthy. And you look at what somebody like Sidney Jones, when healthy, last full healthy year was a really solid corner. If you're going to go by PFF grades, right? 70.2 overall, 69.2 in coverage. Played a lot for Seattle in 2021 and had a really solid year for them. Um, It can be done. He's a a guy with talent. A second-round pick. Uh, who had injuries before he even came out, right? The major injury while he was uh, he was getting ready for the draft. So I think you see him as a great fourth corner. And in the same conversation as we just had with Irv Smith, still opens you up to take a corner at the top, but takes that urgency off the board to feel like you need another corner because you're feeling really empty behind your starters in that room. Yeah, and then the the other comp with Sidney Jones and, and Eli, Eli had more starting experience um, before he came to the Bengals. And again, it was part of it was the the sideshow. But, you know, they both bounced around a lot. They both were with a lot of different teams. And and Sidney Jones is, has been as well. I think four teams he's been with already in the, sh- in the short time he's been in the league. And sometimes it's not about just getting healthy. Sometimes it's just finding that right fit, finding where you're comfortable. And, and we know what Lou is and how every player that has played for him loves him. And and what he can do as a guy and as a coordinator and what he can do to put them in the best position and bring out the best in them. So I do. It's 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 one of those. I don't want to say it's low risk because you you do you you have to have that spot filled with a competent player. But the the ceiling is so much higher on a guy like that where you come in and maybe you don't need him. Maybe all three corners start every game this year, but that's probably unrealistic. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to have a really solid fourth corner you just you need it at yes. that position you can't have enough you don't want to be in this in this position where they have been in recent years where mid-season they're grabbing guys off the waiver wire that are going to have to play some and, and and fill spots for that reason i i think corner is still on the table in the first round i think corner is still on the table in the second round i don't think this takes that off again urgency reliance is lessened by this and i think that was always their plan they didn't come in as without a plan. Their plan was to 
as we told you in the very beginning, way back in February, yeah. take advantage of the Burrow effect. Take advantage of the second and third wave where they can have guys that want to come win, want to chase rings, that are going to call them. And that's what this has been. And, you know, this has that's what their free agency in a large part has been. Jones and Irv Smith are, are prime examples of that, uh, where you feel like you're getting something solid at that and a player that wants to be here at a, at a very reasonable cost. And it frees you up to be a best player available draft team, which is what you should be to keep your roster healthy over the long period. You can't be drafting for need at the top of drafts. And this front office never likes to do that, and uh, that's going to be the way they're going to continue to go, and this certainly helps them uh, with that. Um, outside of that, news. Hey, Hilltop's finally moving. Hey, no more smoke <laughs> rolling into our uh, into our nostrils while we watch practice or these players practice. Uh, from the concrete plant next door, Hilltop's going to move that. That that helps free them up for the, uh, you know, the expansion they want to do when they get into the permanent facilities that they want to try to build uh, extra. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff with that over there, but um, that was kind of in the news as well recently. That's been ongoing forever, and yes. it kept going on and on, which is why they had to build the indoor facility, the temporary indoor facility they have put up now, because it was like, how long is this Hilltop thing gonna go on? Um, there was, I think there's a lot of people in the city and County nudging Hilltop a little harder recently, <laughs> uh, to get the hell out of town or at least out of that swath of land yes. uh, as soon as possible. So, uh, that's in the news, uh, outside of that, Jay, that's all I got for the most. So you got any Arby's? You got, you got to have some stories. You go to the owner's <laughs> meetings, league meetings. There's got to, you got the, you got the parties, you got everybody traveling in owners everywhere. Coach's breakfast at 7.45 in the morning. Uh, ambush tweets. There's all kinds of stuff going on. You got any good Arby's from Arizona? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, at the coach's breakfast Monday morning, the AFC coach's breakfast, um, I, I mean, I had my phone in my pocket. I wasn't going to tweet out what Zach was saying. I was just going to take it in. Um, I was on the Cat Terrell schedule where I got there right before it started. So I was kind of running. I was hustling in there as he was – I almost actually ran over him crossing the street. I, I was like, I could have stopped and let him cross, but we were in a hurry to get there. I picked up uh, Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd from the the Cleveland, the athletic in Cleveland. And we were, we were rushing to get there. So no idea about the Lamar Jackson tweet. And, you know, Zach went long. It's supposed to be 30 minutes. He was closer to 38 or 39. And Mary Kay Cabot, who covers the Browns, has covered the Browns forever, walks up and says, what do you think about Lamar Jackson's trade? request and Zach of course had no idea and none of us had any idea um, and so he gives a quote about what a great player is and how much he respects him and, and that and then it ends and um, she introduces herself and she's like I'm Mary Kay Cabot Cleveland.com and he's like oh yeah yeah I, I follow you during Browns week on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> and then he lays down the challenge if you can figure out what my Twitter account is you'll be faster than these guys and, and referring to Kelsey and I, because Zach has told us he has a Twitter account. He fought, he's never tweeted from it. He follows all of us and what we tweet. Um, and he follows other reporters and oftentimes gleans a little bit of information from those reporters tweets from practices. Uh, but we do not know what his name is. So if anybody out there wants to be a Twitter sleuth <laughs> and try to figure out what Zach's burner account is and let us know, I would love that because he I, he's getting pretty confident that we're not going to be able to figure it out. And it, it is not Tack Zaylor. I can tell you that. I've checked that already. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I love you. Put, put a challenge to our listeners now, and I have a feeling yeah. they're going to come through. Uh, so, yeah, that's. I I would love I hope it is something like truly ridiculous. Um but yeah. Um well, like, he, he's actually the one behind not Mike Brown, you know? Like that's, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Or like, you know, Joe Burrow's ACL. I always love when when these like inanimate objects end up a Twitter yeah. account. The first time I remember was the 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 rumble between UC and Xavier, the crosstown shootout way back in the day I was covering. I remember being astounded when before I even made it to dinner that night, someone had created a Twitter account that was tweeting at me 
called Kenny Freeze's Eye. And it was just like a, he had that. Remember, his eye was all jacked yes. up from the fight we get hit. And I was like, that's when I was like, man, this Twitter might turn into a real strange place. Uh, <laughs> turns out uh, that was pretty prophetic. Uh, all right, Arby's for me. Now, like I well, said, I'm on. Oh, go ahead. You got more, Jay? More, I was going to say, I had one more, and I, I, I'm go really on. appreciative of this uh, because at, at the, the highlight of the owners' meetings is the big party that they have Monday night. And it's, you know, you're waiting in line for a beer, and it could be a team owner to the right of you and a head coach to the left. You just never know who you're going to run into. They're all the broadcasters were there this year. Um, Jeff Hobson from Bengals.com introduces me to the NFL's executive vice president and chief operating officer, I mean, huge title, very important person in the NFL, um, Hans Schroeder. And Hans is a Cincinnati native, oh, yeah. a huge Bengals fan, and mm-hmm. more importantly, he told me, a huge Hear That Podcast growling fan. So yeah. I'm sure he's listening right now. I just wanted to, to say again, we've emailed since then, but I, I really appreciate him taking the time to to introduce himself and for, for following the podcast, following the Bengals and for Bengal fans who think they do not have an ally in the league office. <laughs> uh, they do. Hans is a big Bengals fan has been uh, for a very long time. So uh, it, it was, it was uh, you never know who you're going to meet at those things. And that was, that was a pleasant surprise. And as I'm talking to him, I mean, other people are coming up and uh, I'm listening into other conversations and, uh, with with other important people in the league, and uh, it was just really good to 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 see a I don't know if you a well positioned fan. Not that the rest of you podcast listeners aren't well positioned, but um, but Hans has a very high position in the NFL. I have this vision of Hans like throwing coins at Roger Goodell's door after the coin toss uh, incident after the game against Baltimore where Mixon had kicked the coin like that Monday he's just like tossing a quarter at Roger Goodell's door you know like just fit with it, letting his fandom show uh, I love that uh, okay I have I have one Jay. unless you have more I'm sure you have more that you, that are just uh, too many to share but I have no I, I mean this one was just a slight amuse so I was talking to Zach and then his mom Julie was there and then his son Brooks was there and his other son Luke had already gone to bed. It was getting late. And um, I can't remember how it came up, but Zach put a little dig in at his mom and said, she still has an AOL address. And I was like, <laughs> I still have an AOL. And he's like, get out of here. He could, yeah. I, and I do. I've, I've had it for since the mid nineties. <laughs> I run a lot of fantasy leagues and contests and pools. And that's always been the one I've used. And it's not my primary anymore, but I do still have an AOL address and myself and and Julie Taylor have something in common. Yeah, look, and I'm sure there's some listeners out there that are AOL yeah. strong, right? You should get a shirt. Can we get you a shirt? Like you know how it's always like something strong anytime something. Yeah, bad, something. That, and then I feel like this is a level that for you, this level of, of uh, demoralization for you, AOL hashtag AOL strong for Jay. We can get that with your uh, have it right next to your freak in the sheets Excel spreadsheets yeah. coffee mug. Well, then uh, I can get my uh, AOL <laughs> handle on the back, Mister yeah. Roto God, Mister Roto God. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, you're true. You're true to the game, Jay. You're true to the game. Uh, I have one, and it's kind of a shout out. Uh, so, like I said, we were on vacation. We went down. My family and I. We went down to Tampa for a long weekend. We uh, left late last week and spent some time down there, beach, pool, all the things. It was a great time. Loved it. Perfect vacation. Uh, but on the way in the Tampa airport. As my girls were doing something, now Jay, you remember the giant flamingo that's inside of the Tampa airport that's like coming out of the ceiling? So my girls find this obviously fascinating and they're playing around with it. And as they are, and I'm standing there trying to make sure they don't like run into somebody who's wheeling a suitcase late for a flight or something. (laughs) All of a sudden, somebody comes up to me and says, hey, Paul, Paul, hear that podcast ground, right? And I'm like, yeah. And it was his name is Chris Mullen. Shout out Chris Mullen. No relation. Not I don't think that good at basketball. Uh, however, lives in Rhode Island. Fan of the pod. Traveling through Tampa. Happened to see 
or he, I guess maybe hear my voice. I don't know. Coming through and came up and we talked. We talked for a while. It was great. He's from Cincinnati originally, lives in Rhode Island now. Of course, you're from Cincinnati, so we initially exchanged high schools. Uh, he was from Princeton, uh, and so it was. But it was hysterical. Like you never know where you're going to be, and next thing you know, we get an HTPG listener. So uh, shout out, Chris! Thanks for listening and being a loyal listener. Uh, it was it was cool to to see that, and it was great talking to you. You know, you never, you just never know, Jay. You don't. You just, you just yeah. never know. I mean, it happens on road trips, but that makes sense. This is this is totally different. This well, especially was, uh, you know, you expect it when you're on a trip and it's a bunch of people on a flight to Cincinnati or from. Yeah. He he was not on my flight from Cincinnati yeah. to Tampa. No, he <laughs> he's from Rhode Island, so uh, he was just happened to be sitting there in the Tampa airport. I think his kids were playing somewhere too. Uh, so anyway, fun uh, fun stuff, and I, we always appreciate everybody when they come up and uh, say hello and and chat when we see you around. So cool cool to uh, see people. How's this for a quick recall? You mentioned the flamingo. I don't know. Here's here's there Paul looking yeah. at the flamingo yes. in the Tampa airport. <laughs> <laughs> I did that because I thought you know my girls would find this hysterical. Take a picture <laughs> of me getting attacked by this flamingo. I'll send it to them, and I never did. And then they saw it and immediately sprinted to it. You know, basically <laughs> dropped their. Uh, mini mouse and frozen suitcases on the ground so i had to pick them up and they went sprinting towards the giant flamingo and playing with it and all that stuff so it was it was great it was it was it was a fun experience and a, a good vacation which i'm about to go back to now jay after our yes you quick, should. Uh, our quick return but anyway thanks to everybody uh for listening to the pod uh we'll be back next week full throttle draft coverage starts next week already got some guests lined up so looking forward to all that. And we'll be going deep into detail of where the Bengals are going to go in this draft. Uh, and we'll be doing that, uh, you know, from now until draft weekend. And that'll be an onslaught of fun for you as well. So looking forward to all the draft talk we're about to get to. Hope you guys are ready for it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Have a good, everybody. Good.